two, three. <laughs> well, welcome to the next episode of Up for Discussion, echoing a new narrative on the mountain of economy. Yeah. I love how um, when I walked into the studio today, it hit me. Okay, green is the color for economy, and we're both wearing green. We did plan to like... Not necessarily wear the same color, but, but at least clash. it worked yeah. together. And so he came out in a green shirt and and then he took it to the next level. You guys got to see this. You're going to show him? He's having a wow. good sock day. He's having to pull his shoes off. You got to see his... Can they see it? <laughs> Here, I don't know. <laughs> He's got his money socks on. <laughs> there was a time when... When gifts for you from our family would yeah. be like all these fun, different, colorful socks and your money socks for one uh, of them. That so was uh, one of the months that you all sent them. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I always a... have a stash of bills in my shoe <laughs> <laughs> when I wear these socks. So he's having a good sock day and I'm having a good hair day. Yeah, Girl, you are. appreciate that. Thank you. Big time. It's not always like that. So you got to enjoy it when it happens. Um, so I'm excited about just the timing of, um, this episode. We decided when we started this series, echoing a new narrative to just go in the order of the rainbow. And it just so happens with all that's happening in the world and specifically in our nation right now, maybe you're watching this, you know, a year later or something, but for those of you that are watching it soon after, you know, We've got some crazy stuff going on in our banks, in the banking system, in our nation. And it's just a good time to um, do something really important. And, and this is what I want to introduce this topic with. And then I'm going to hand it over mm -hmm. to you. Um, but just, you know, it's as believers and really as people who we tend to attract people who want to do something and change something and, and make a difference. And we intentionally do that. Um, but with that type of mentality and personality comes the temptation to kind of do things in our own strength and just work hard for God. You know, we love God, so we're going to work hard. We might as well work hard for him. And so we can have kind of a, we'll just get it done mentality that's a little harder right now for even those of us that are wired that way because of all that's happening in the world. You can feel so defeated without even trying to make a difference before you even try to make a difference. But my point with all of this is this is not a get it done, pull yourself up kind of assignment. The kingdom of God was never meant to be that way. The kingdom of God was meant to be an assignment that is an overflow of our own relationship, our own knowledge of who God is. And we say this all the time, but you can't give away what you don't have. And nor should we. Like how um, inauthentic is that if we try to preach something to others and to the world that we don't first really truly own and believe for ourselves mm -hmm. and walk in. And so... Early on in this understanding of the, the seven mountain mandate that, that we love to passionately preach about, early on we realized the importance of what I'm saying, that this is about becoming an expert on who God is personally, so that when you show up 
in everyday life and you face challenges and problems um, that need solutions in society, you, you're so wired with who you're convinced personally that God is that first of all, you recognize there's a problem and you care like God cares. And then you don't stop with that. You realize not, not only does God care, but God is the solution for this. His solutions are actually sourced out of his nature and his character. And so today we're going to focus on who God is as provider and his generosity. It's just it's just as much an aspect of who he is and how he is as the fact that he's our savior and he redeems our soul for eternity. He is our provider and he is generous with us and he longs to be generous through us. Yeah. So we're going to really face, um, look at this face of yeah. God today and um, see what is the narrative that we're called to swap out. We know there is an evil agenda. Mm -hmm. There is a narrative that they are very mm -hmm. intentionally creating in the earth mm -hmm. in every area of culture. And we're going to look at just briefly, what is that narrative that that is the, the lie about ultimately God in this area of culture when we do it our broken way as humans versus God's kingdom way. And then we're going to really focus in on who God is as provider. That's that's really so good. And, you know, in all these these seven mountains, these seven areas, Restore Seven is about restoring seven aspects of who God is to society. We call them seven faces of God. And in that, we find that every single one of the seven, if we went through media, family, arts, entertainment, economy, religion, education, government, we we have some identification with every single area, no matter who you are, there's going to be some interaction. Government, you're going to vote and you're going to be aware of what happens in government, whether you have a primary call in government, family, you come from family, you're, most are going to go into making families. And, and so all of them have that component, but perhaps there's no mountain that has more um, uh, point of interaction than this mountain of economy, because no matter what you're financial status, whether you feel like you're really gifted as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you'll feel like, you know, you're being held back or advanced based on your ability to access more, more funds or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the key spiritual muscle to be developed on this, on this mountain really is trust. And, um, which goes into faith and, you know, there's other spinoffs that come, come from that. And we'll get to that in a, in a moment as well. But, um, in, in the day we're living, as Elizabeth was saying, we have some, you know, significant bank closures, rumors of it could be much worse and all that kind of things. There are, there are truths that we can, um, you know, secure ourselves by just even on this mountain of economy. So part of what, um, I want to do kind of been doing it for all we're doing, just kind of lay out in brief, the spiritual landscape of what it looks like. And just in that, um, there is, uh, it's instructive all on its own. And again, as usual, we're wanting to not just give information that we have available for you in our, in our book and our resource and whatever. Um, but land it in an updated way for today, but also 
as Elizabeth said, somebody could be watching this in a year from now. We still want it to be relevant. The good thing about the mountain of economy, all truths seem to be relevant um, forever, you know, or for not necessarily forever and ever in heaven kind of deal, but for a long time, we'll put it that way. Go ahead. Just to interrupt you before you get into a good flow. Um, I do want to point out just because things are so fluid, we're filming this on a Tuesday and you're going to see it. It'll be available for the first day on Friday. So it will be available this week. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's available in a few days, but you know, because things change so quickly in the nation, if we don't comment on something that's happened or not happened, um, it's because we didn't know about it. We're on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And um, I also wanted to point out, because I keep forgetting this every week, the book that you're seeing us reference here over and over again yeah. is our Rise um, Handbook. It's called A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Right now, it's currently out of print. I am working hard right now with our um, printing company to get this available for you again soon in a few months. But it is available as a um, uh, online video course that includes the PDF version of the book. Or you can purchase just the PDF version of the book, like a Kindle, on our Restore 7 website um, bookstore. But the course, if you want to go through the course, that is basically a lot of short videos from Johnny and I taken from the book, and then you can actually literally read along in the book. Um, that course is available at rise7.org, rise7.org. And even that we did a, a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have a plan in doing that again as well. And uh, we weren't as good looking then as we are now. <laughs> joke. Um, <laughs> right. So on the mountain of economy, and you could call it the mountain of business and call it business, but it's the economy. Um, you know, we identify who the enemy is on that mountain and by mountain, we're calling it the, that sphere of society. So the enemy, um, we have one correlated with each one of the enemy nations that the children of Israel faced when they had to go to their promised land. If you remember all the ites, the Hittites, Jebusites, Girgashites. Well, this one is the Canaanites. And that's where trade was introduced to the world. And, and in that, uh, you know, they represent, representative, they're the love of money, they're avarice, greed, um, and there's trade and usury and looking to leverage really um, your position over those who are in a bind. And that's a lot of what comes out of there. And so that's why it would not, uh, it would not be that which is good. So we, uh, we say these are like Canaanite demons that operate in there. And so they're, they're very self-seeking. It's, it's greed. It's me, myself, I. And uh, again, this is to give us spiritual understanding of what operates on there because we have to show up. We have to come onto that mountain. Uh, we have to come into that area of society. We have to showcase the kingdom way of doing it. And the kingdom way is always going to be in opposition to the dark kingdom's way. That's just the light kingdom and the dark kingdom. So the principality on that mountain, um, not hard to figure that out because that's kind of clearly laid out in the scripture is mammon. Mm -hmm. and, and mammon specifically represents greed as well, but it's sort of that uh, fear greed cycle. When you're under the influence of mammon, you're in a fear greed cycle. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what the stock market goes through. And so it's euphoric when you're in the 
Right. Oh, this is, we can't miss, this is happening. You know, it's kind of a gambler's uh, euphoria that, that gets picked up on. And then, uh, but then there's the fear. And even once you've gained a lot, uh, you know, even when you have a large stash in your bank account, all of a sudden there's this, a cycle of fear, like, yeah, I got it all. How do I not lose it? So mm-hmm. when you're in that cycle, you need to know you're not in the ecosystem that is provided by our God and our King for us and for you. And so you want to intentionally um, leave that ecosystem and enter into his, the one of trust, the one where uh, your God is bigger than whatever the enemy can throw at you. We have, you know, the biblical accounts. There was, Jacob was blessed by God. And even when his uncle kept trading uh, you know, there were the, the, the stories of their, their cattle and, mm-hmm. and their goats and sheep and the ones that had spots and the ones that had stripes. And so Laban would see which ones Jacob seemed to be getting better results from. And so then he'd make there be a trade overall. And then no matter what he did, he couldn't stop the blessing of God from coming to Jacob. And so there was a way that that could always, uh, we'll say, outwit what looked like the natural strategy there. And so that's something to be aware of. That's a provision made for us. And then, um, you know, we also been naming, I've been naming the, uh, the archangel. We're not explaining that you can go into our resources if you need more explanation on that. And whether you believe it's this particular name, I'm going to give you this particular archangel or not. You have to understand if the enemy has a principality of mammon, then, the only reason he sets up principalities is because he sees how God's kingdom runs and he does the inverse of it in every way possible. So whether whether you like the idea and like where where can you where did you get that name from that you can prove it, it doesn't matter. You have to know somebody representative um, in the same spirit because Zerachiel means provided by God, given by God. So Zerachiel being the name of the the archangel. The, the archangel. And so he is the one that has, um, he, you know, he, he has this ability to connect to what God can do. And so God has said in the scriptures and elsewhere, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We understand that it was through his word, the whole earth was created. He literally, uh, he can make provision come out of nothing We've, you know, the testimonials from the scripture itself are, are hugely there. He can feed 5,000, five loaves and two fish, fishes. He can just bless it and begin to break it. And it happens. So our, our, our source cannot be compared with. Um, he doesn't just need a strategy. In fact, we understand that. Then we go into the face of God to be revealed there. The face of God is provider. And, um, and so we, you know, those of you who have studied into the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, it's not just Jehovah provides or God provides, but he is provision. That's what's different about our source. Who we have access to is not limited by any run on the banks. He's not limited um, by famine, by weather realities, by anything else. He has this ability to provide for us. He will use strategies and inter, inter, interact and integrate with with the world in real kind of ways as well. But he has this ability, as you know, we saw, we already telling you before, Elijah could cut off rain, he could release rain, he could be fed by ravens. And so the, the supernatural component we cannot uh, eliminate from 
our understanding of how this mountain is supposed to function and what's available to us. And so this is something particularly right now to be aware of. You know, many want strategies right now is like, okay, how do we protect our money? Where is it safe? What banks are safe? What cryptocurrency is, is, is safe? There's the one safety is, is him. And, and that's, that's what we want to uh, uh, look at. So actually there's a scripture that I want us to read tied into that. And this is 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present age, so especially those of you who are rich in this present age, and those of, the, those of you who would be the most nervous at this time, you'll find out the people that are not rich in this present age, they don't get all that nervous when banks collapse and things like that, because like we don't have that much anyway. They don't know how the repercussions could get to them um, as well. But, you know, to whom, uh, who is facing the loss of much, it's different there. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Now that, that right there, just in short order, that phrase, not nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, that is that sums up the wisdom that we have to adapt for this, this mountain. It's called uncertain riches for a reason. Because no matter what, there, there's no such thing as uh, a strategy or a system that is not uncertain here on this earth. The only certainty is Jehovah Jireh nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now that goes into Elizabeth. You mentioned just a little bit ago that there is part of the face of God to be restored even to us as believers. There's been a poverty mentality. We're better off if we have nothing. You know, there's, it's been corrected in some measure in some way, but he points out, yeah, trust in God, but he gives us richly all things to enjoy. So that's part of his face being restored to us so that we can also reveal it in society that he really does enjoy richly giving us all things. So then the Lord says to those who are rich in this present age, let them do good that they be rich in good works. So allow the wealth that you have accumulated turn around to become something that allows you to be rich in the good works, uh, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may be laid that they may lay hold on eternal life so just when you think yeah that's exactly i'm trying to store up uh you know enough for my kids and for you know if different things happen in society in the future well he says for now be rich in good works be ready to give be willing to share you store up for yourselves a good foundation for the time to come. He's not talking a time to come even here. He's talking about, hey, you're going to have eternal life, but your willingness to use your resource here, your willingness to be uh, ready to give, to be willing to share, to be rich in good works, this is something that will build, you know, use your economic understanding about, yeah, you have something that accrues in value and interest, and it's an asset that continues to grow. Well, all that you do here also has a reward in the hereafter. So that's just a, a real solid um, scripture as a, I won't say a starting place because we've start, started all, all over, but 
Anyway, jump in on anything you're thinking just as I'm going there. And I have. Yeah, that's really good um, foundation for where we're headed with this. You know, like any area of culture, um, we want to learn to think simultaneously how this applies to us personally and how it applies to the bigger picture of, you know, our nation and the nations, um, the kingdom of God coming to earth. And so we can't give away what we don't have. So we're continually looking, you know, like God, we're made in his image. We're capable of thinking individual micro picture and the macro picture over cities, regions, and nations. And so that always makes me think of this, um, you mentioned ecosystem. It makes me think of in heaven where um, there is a creature, a living creature that's described, I think, or an angel as having the wheel within the wheel. Is that? As a vision, something Ezekiel saw. Something Ezekiel saw, okay. Well, you know, I always picture like the back of a clock or the inside workings of a clock um, or a, what do you call it? Like a stopwatch mm-hmm. where there's there's wheels and gears that turn bigger wheels and bigger gears and all of it works together. And so even when you're talking about, you know, the, the enemy on this mountain basically is fear. It's a spirit yeah. of fear. We can see that play out in our in our own little lives, you know, where we start feeling like um, maybe there's something that's come against our personal finances that might cause them to slow down. Maybe we see a transition coming or, you know, we might get fired from our job or something. And, and there's this fine line between walking in wisdom and actually walking as you said, in trust. So trust is the opposite spirit that we we go into this area of culture opposite to fear. And, and that trust, um, when we don't walk in it, when we have the fear, you see the wheel within the wheel. So the, the smaller picture is we individually start kind of holding on to more and stop being as generous, maybe as generous with ourselves and our family where we don't spend as much on the things that we even need all the way to, we aren't a conduit for blessing other people financially out of our overflow. So when you see an individual start kind of, um, closing ranks on their finances because of a lack of trust and they're struggling with fear, it, it actually, that, that gear affects the bigger gear of the economy of a, community, a city, a region, and ultimately a nation. Because when you have, quote, a run on banks or, um, you know, the market goes down, other than what we're learning, which is so complicated that the deep state does to manipulate things, there is to some degree, um, literally, the fear, the collective fear of a region or an entire nation can bring down or bring up an economy. It can create its own reality, right? The contagion contagion of stinginess just stops the flow in all directions and that creates its own crisis. And I thought it was very interesting. um, Like, I'll just say this out of our personal experience. So we feel extremely responsible 
to steward the finances of the donors who have given to Restore 7. And so, um, you know, we, when things kind of went a little scary with the bank initially in California, we had to stop for a minute and think, okay, is there something that we need to do to help pr protect um, the cash flow for the budget for this ministry that we've been entrusted with? And, you know, uh, Chris, our son-in-law and COO, and myself started kind of looking and talking with accountant and different ones of, of what we may need to do or not do. And of course, Johnny began to inquire of the Lord. And I love what the Lord spoke to you. And, and I think that it, 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 was, it was more than just for you. It was almost like a prophetic word over our nation. And it was one word. It was hold, hold. And I think that doesn't mean we're not supposed to do something. It meant don't react in fear right now. Hold. Like no quick reaction. Take your time. Listen for instruction. Do your research. Hold. Yeah. And that one word just speaks right into the heart of fear. Yeah. And I think um, if we can remember that as it relates to the enemy on this mountain, whether you're a, a, a business person or you are helping steward someone else's business by the role that you have in a company um, or even over just your own finances, I think that word is so important, hold, meaning just wait long enough to inquire of the Lord, to get instruction from him, allow him to speak through people that you deem as being wise in this arena and do not react. That's what fear causes us to do in all of our relationships, including our relationship with money. It, it fear causes us to speak and spew and react rather than have an intentional response. That's really good. Because one of the things I want to speak just a, a moment into is the realization that we do have to have a world overhaul on the economic system, on the banking system. So clearly, if you've been hearing us speak for the last couple of few years, we do believe there is a, a, a system um, of God that's coming in to disrupt the existing system. Mm -hmm. The Lord spoke to me, gave me a vision a few years ago, said, I'm removing the mafia from the tops of the mountains. And so the mafia, the top of um, the mountain of economy, really in, in any direct and indirect ways is controlling all seven of the mountains. There's always the question, you know, follow the money. And you find that the money angle that's, that takes place there, um, we understand, you know, we've seen that there is a central banking system that has a few hundred years there. The name Rothschild, the name Rockefellers are uh, connected with that. Our Federal Reserve is neither a federal nor is it a reserve. It's um, really, it's a mafia. And if we understand how it was organized, how it was set up, how surreptitiously it was brought into our nation in the early 1900s, we understand that this is a this is a system that's allowing them to steal, and and create um, cycles that they take advantage of because they know they can push a lever and they create a cycle of either going up or down. And when they know it, they can make transactions that really um, 
are advantageous to them. And there's been a stealing of trillions of dollars that's been taking place. And so that has to be interrupted. And I believe we're in the process of that happening. And it's so complex that apart from the word of the Lord that he's saying he's doing that, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be a big swoop um, um, exchange and changeover that he does, or if it's going to be in, you know, 50 increments. And But that's what we're heading into, and I believe pretty uh, quickly into. And so uh, part of the assignment that I got that President Trump had was a Cyrus call and anointing. You, and it was an Isaiah 45 Cyrus call and anointing. And so we, if you go look at that, it's it's a heavy component um, of, you know, a changeover of the economic realities. And there is, you know, providing hidden treasures that become available and breaking um, these bronze gates and double iron uh, bars that exist that hold people in bondage. So there's there's something in everything that's taking place that is not just to be considered something to be prayed against. We need it to stop. We need the markets not to shake. No, what we need and what I believe we're going to have, and this is kind of the, the wisdom I was going to share, mm-hmm. the way the Lord shared it with me years ago, and I think I wrote it in my book. The end of the world as we know it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Introducing the prophetic age, and you know, age of the prophetic, I mean, of uh, the kingdom age that's coming, a prophetic revealing of the kingdom age coming. We'll get these names, right? Too many books. But um, the, the point is, I said there's going to be something that's accompanied by the grace of God where we realize if you have any understanding, you realize we're in a system that is controlled and manipulated. Um, we have, you know, United States is considered the, you know, the most blessed country and um, in many ways. And so economically, it's, you know, been the lead and all that. But the last numbers I got is the average American is $90,000 in debt. Mm. And I don't believe that includes the trillions that have just accumulated in mass, especially over the last few years that the government has. And so we're like... Okay, we're not exactly in a kingdom system. So the country that's furthest ahead is is totally strapped by debt in some way or another. And really the system works against you um, if if you're not willing to uh, embrace some level uh, of debt. And um, it's just explaining that this system is not the ideal system. So there has to be an overhaul. But even like in construction, if you think of, you know, often if a house is in decay or a building in decay, we'll say the people that want to have something in that location, they have a choice. So, okay, do we blow it up completely or do we try to, you know, think of it on a house? Do we want to remodel it or, or blow it, take it down, you know, put dynamite and blow it up? So the way the Lord showed me is that if it was just something that he blows up or allows to be blown up, the suffering would be immense all around the world. And so in his grace, he was going to provide a system, whether it's sort of like extreme remodeling, where, you know, there's a quarter of the house you take down while you live in the other. And so I believe this is what we're going through. And and so I believe this is what um, it, it will it will prove out, prove out to be. Our trust being not even in that word, but our trust is in the God who would watch over us in such a careful way that he would, he would create that alternative. But, um, we, you know, where I was going to read just a verse uh, out of Revelation chapter 18, because this whole system, both what Cyrus had to take down, if we understand Isaiah 45, it was Babylon. Babylon was the ruling empire. And then those of you who know the book of Revelation, you go into Revelation 18 and 19, it talks about Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen. 
And, and the deal is, for those who don't know it, when Revelation was written and all that, Babylon didn't really exist anymore. It had already fallen because under Cyrus, um, the takedown of Babylon was complete. So there's only, even till this day, you know, a little, yeah, this is where Babylon is in Iraq or wherever, um, Assyria. It was Assyria, which is Iraq. And so, um, but they were using symbolism as as much through the book of Revelation. So the symbolism was, the collapse of Rome, that Rome came down. Mm -hmm. And so the descriptions of Rome and how all, uh, you know, all the nations had partaken in, in sins with it, it was a dominant, uh, the dominant na uh, city nation, well, the capital of Rome. Rome was in, running the world for a, a thousand years. So Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen. And it, but it, you read through the descriptives of it. We're not taking the time to do that, but it, it sounds a lot like the system that's ruling and reigning right now. There is a Babylon system that has to crash and burn, has to come down. But these first two verses of Revelation 18, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Now, just stop for pause for a moment. One angel wow. can illuminate the whole earth with his glory. And I actually believe that angel is the archangel of the mountain of economy, which is Zerachia. When I was praising and praying a couple nights ago, I just, the picture I had is he's, he's busy. His, his war room, they are, they are putting plans mm. out there and advancing things. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, here it is, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become the dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk, this is verse three now, of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Actually, I do have to read verse four as well. Mm -hmm. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven. Now, I think we're really in a, a, a parallel application to this, but um, the coming out of her, my people, you know, someone's like, yeah, we need to get out of the banks. I don't think it's that in, in priority. I think the priority is come out of the greed and fear because mm -hmm. that's what we want to come out of. If you that understand cycle. that cycle, the mammon, greed, fear, greed, fear, uh, that's the thing he's saying, come out of her lest you suffer. Because you don't suffer even if it's, it's again, uh, you know, God's people had, back to the, the Jacob story, you can have your stuff stolen and then he rebuilds. Because when you're connected to him, if he gave you your original wealth, yeah. he can... You know the source. You know the source. He can pull it, pull it, pull it back together. So, you know, I just think that, that that's something we are going through and we're experiencing now. And so... There is, um, it's great excitement to, re to remind you that part. That was an angel whose glory illuminated the whole earth. And he's the one that declares Babylon the great is fallen. At some point, here's the reality. That revelation scripture has never, other than whatever application they could give towards Rome, mm -hmm. that would have been one application. Um, but it is something as uh, we, we know the system now, it follows all the way down to the religious exercises they do, this blood sacrifices, the invitation of uh, Molech and Baal to be parts of it. It's identical with the 
real Babylon, the original Babylon, that was still operational. It's the same ancient evil, just continued thousands of years later. Exactly. And so it has that has to be dealt with. Yeah. And I believe part of the messages I've been given this year is that out of Daniel, it said that there had been, you know, there was a court ruling in heaven on behalf mm -hmm. of the saints. Yeah. And it's time for the kingdom to be given to the saints. Yeah. And I connect us with the Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to preach good news. But then it talks about what that good news was. It wasn't just our God saves. Uh, um, it was set the captives free. Then it talks about rebuilding cities, ruined desolations of multiple generations. And so for that to happen, see, there's been a restriction on the funding for those who would be kingdom-minded. There's been a restriction on that funding um, forever. And so that has to change. And that is, I believe, in the process of changing. So some people, um, I believe, wrongly think, you know, you mentioned the scripture about um, the exchange of the wealth of the wicked to, you know, people think that just means, okay, all the Christians are now going to get all the money. And then everybody who's not a Christian you know, will somehow end up funding all the Christians. I just, it sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, but, but we say it in a different way, but that's really what it sounds like. And, um, you know, I think it's important to remember there, Jesus basically said that whoever isn't against him is for him. And I believe that this is just like a foundational belief. I believe that every single person is born a daughter or a son of God. They have to choose to walk in it. And so they still get to choose if they're going to honor God through Jesus and have a relationship with him or not. But from God's perspective, he created us all as his sons and daughters. Therefore, it reigns on the good and on the bad, right? And, and it and it's sunshine on the good and on the bad. Meaning in this, really in every area of culture, anyone who is willing to do things God's better ways, even if they don't realize that better way came from God, they're a part of advancing the kingdom of God. And so I believe that God loves to fund and finance and get behind providing for uh, that exchange of wealth will be for anyone who's willing to just not be evil. Like my perspective over the last several years has changed so much because I was so naive. I didn't understand there are truly evil agendas. Yeah. I didn't know that evil was as organized and as intentional as it is. I knew Satan was, but I didn't know that Satan had gotten people to partner with him to that degree. And so for me, when I think about the exchange of wealth, I think about the wealth being taken from those who've partnered with Satan in his evil agendas, the wealth being taken from them and given to those who are willing to steward what we know as followers of Jesus, at steward the goodness of God in the land of the living. You know, all the ways that he wants to express that he's good all the ways that he provides. No, that's good. You know, we've met um, 
leaders of cities, leaders of regions, leaders of nations, political leaders. And, um, and I, I remember being shocked in the same way when I, I ran across, there's a general of the armed forces of a nation. There was a mayor of a city and they weren't at the time, they weren't what we would call believers, yeah. Christians. And, but what I recognize and these two that come to mind mm -hmm. quickly is I was like, they really care for their people. Yes. They care for their city and their nation. Yeah. And the way it struck me, I was like, I I haven't seen 1% of this in pastors that I know. Because, mm -hmm. you know, pastor, you're wired. You get wired and you get taught that it's all about your church, your church, your church. And and your city could be um, struggling and falling apart. Thank God this is, this is changing now. But that's why it's not just about someone in name that's a Christian. That's right. We could say... It should be that, that it should be, we'll just say those who are Christ-like, we would want those who are Christ-like ruling and reigning and having access to provision everywhere. And those who have a kingdom interest in the sense of um, the kingdom. Just good. Just do good for people. Yeah. And just, and it's simple. It's they cared. They cared for their city. They cared for their, they cared, they, they cared for the, um, as the generals, like he cared for the soldiers. Yeah. And he, he talked about how, you know, he, he thought through, like, would I send my son to this? Yeah. Is it justify the justice part of what is? is? And then with the mayor, um, thinking of our friend, the mayor in yeah. Saposola as well, it's like he, he, he really cared. And you're like, you want people who are working hard um, for the embetterment of the region. And that mayor then produced the best coffee in all of and this is basically the world season this is what you're describing in nowadays terms that jesus described in matthew 25 when he says um mm. he's separating the sheep nations from the goat nations based on you cared about who i care about and some of them in that parable um didn't even realize they said when when were we doing it to you. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then some who said, oh, you know, we know you. So I, I think that's why I just really wanted to bring up that point because we sound ridiculous as Christians when we do not think about how we say things. When we talk about, oh, the wealth of the wicked is coming to us, it's it feeds into that, that, um, that mentality that people are afraid of from Christians. Like you're going to you believe in dominionism, like you're going to dominate over people and you're trying to take over every area of culture and you're trying to take over your nations. No, this is all about partnering with anyone who's willing to be like Jesus, a servant, someone who cares about what, what and who God cares about. And that's what we want to finance. And I think, um, you know, knowing where to even put the money that we're called to steward, I think it heals people's perspective of God. Some of you are extremely wealthy and you are in a position to literally get behind projects that may not have Jesus stamped on them. And that's okay. If it's something that you can say to the, the person or the owner or the whatever, hey, obviously I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I just want you to know that I recognize as a follower of Jesus, that what you're doing is like the kingdom of God, and therefore I want to help finance it or fund it. That's good. And I will say, you know, 
there is an innocent way of saying we need the Christians in charge. And, and so it's not like it's evil to think that because in the innocent way of thinking, you're like, well, we need people who are Christ-like and who will care for others to be in charge. Yes, that kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as we also understand, and maybe because, uh, you know, when you've been around long enough, you've seen enough stuff, what goes under the name Christian is, is you know, often fraught with um, deceitfulness, corruption, yeah. uh, self-seeking, and all kinds of other things. And so because of that is why there, there's there's a recommendation. Whereas, you know, you, because I've heard it and I, I'll, I'll, I'll remember observing and, and thinking when a person's saying it, like they mean it from a very innocent yeah. We just uh, do not know how we sound. And we particularly don't think about how, how it sounds. But it's definitely God has zero interest in advancing professional uh, Christianity. and But he does have 100% interest in his kingdom, which is the king and his way of doing things. Because he has a way of doing things. He doesn't just offer the transaction of salvation. He has the way... Like he wants his ways reproduced, recognized and reproduced in the mountain of economy where people are motivated for generosity to assist at the individual level, but even at the uh, macro level. And so that's that's what we want to be about. And that's what we're going to be about. That word generosity is just so like front center, the heart and soul of who God is as provider. It's it's this extravagant part of his character and his nature. He loves to be generous. He he always goes above and beyond in who he is and how he does things. Jesus demonstrated that for us over and over again. And because we know we're made in his image, that means we not only have the capacity to be that way, but we find our sweet spot as um humans when we reflect his generosity. And I wanted to bring up um, a couple of things, but am I interrupting a flow? Go ahead. Here? Go ahead. Um, one is I just keep hearing this song that um, I'm not going to sing it, but it's, they will know we are Christians by our love. And I think about, you know, just different people groups that you know, we try not to be judgmental, um, but we typically say, well, these people are known for this and this group of people, they're kind of known for this. Well, what are we known as, as followers of Jesus? What are we known as? We have, you know, it's extreme makeover time in the world. And I believe it's extreme makeover time for us as followers of Christ. And this is a time where we need to make the shift as a generation to being known by our love. And love looks like something. And in, in this area of culture, love looks like riches. It looks like um, generosity. It looks like being a conduit and not a dam or a hoarder. And, and it has little to do with how much you actually have. It's how much can God trust to flow through you and people that have, you know, you can have very little, but actually be an incredibly generous person where money is just flowing through you. And we know based on the kingdom's principles that, you know, when you steward well over a little, he entrusts you with more to be a, a steward with, to be even more generous with. 
And I've watched this play out, like even in, in my own life, um, you know, we develop kind of our relationship with money and our perspective on finances often from our childhood and from the way our parents had a relationship with money. And we were just talking about today, just the, the blessing of even um, my parents and my father and the position that um, that God, mm-hmm. you know, has him in now. He just recently retired from a company that he founded. And that company now is literally stewarding a billion and a half dollars, not just of general money, but of specifically kingdom money, money that is being utilized for um, godly purposes. And this company literally started for my dad, I believe when he was in his late 50s. And prior to that, I watched him as a little girl, like struggle through um, bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Uh, My mom was very, very ill and died of cancer after a five-year battle. And so the money that it took, you know, from him and then um, some of the business that he was involved in, a law, significant law change that just really pulled that rug right from right out from underneath him and the people that he worked with. So he kind of had to rebuild from there again. We always lived in rental homes, not because my father wasn't a hard worker, not because my father wasn't brilliant, not because my father wasn't generous, because he is literally one of the most generous people that I've ever known. And that didn't change. He, he's a perfect example of what I just said. He, he was very generous when we had little. He's very generous at different stages of where his own personal finances have been um, as they grew. And just to finish that story, um, then he started all over again with another um, company and there was a positioning where he was going to be able to in time step into the basically running that company and getting to do what what he was so good at doing and the agreement that he had with the the founder of that company um died with the with the, it was the a verbal, founder. He, essentially was a verbal agreement. A verbal so. agreement, and he suddenly died tragically in a car accident. And so once again, my dad had to start lost, over again. Yeah, lost, he lost his equity of everything in the yeah. And um, you know, started again with just about nothing. And 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 what God grew from that that's now stewarding, you know, a, a over a billion of kingdom mm-hmm. resources. Is just is just a picture of God's heart, I believe, for this generation. Mm-hmm. Like it's like He used my dad to help create this ark for, like a Noah's ark for for ministries, and um, you know, so many lives have been impacted because of that. Because one man in his relationship with God, and this is the most important point of all, and I'm telling this story for a reason because many of you can relate to who. And what my dad went through in the early years. And I watched my dad learn in those years who he is as a son of God the Father. And he chose over and over and over again to believe that God loved him, that God was good, 
that God had not turned his back on him, and maybe he struggled with that, but he always landed in that place of, I know who God is, and I know that he cares. And so he never, here's how I know that my dad, my dad hung on to that correct belief. He did not believe the lie that finances or lack of them were tempting him to believe about himself and about God. I know because my father, my dad, never stopped caring about other people. It's 100% true. And you stop caring about what you think God doesn't care about. And and so I, I saw that play out in his life. And then I saw God reward that with... Um, just incredible blessing that wasn't a blessing about him. He is blessed, but the blessing was always about who my dad was called to impact. And so let let that sink in for those of you that are in that season. Learn what, what God is giving you an opportunity to learn right now, which is your identity doesn't change when the favor comes and goes. And who God is for you and to you doesn't change when the favor comes and goes. You stay faithful to who you know he is and stay faithful to who you know you are and who he says that you are and let him bring you to the place of breakthrough because he will, he does. That's a good, that's a great example. He has been, we've been married 35 years and he has been uh, generous at every stage and, and in every direction whether whether we're talking about uh, tipping someone, a waiter, uh, waitress, things he sees according to his ability, um, sometimes more than his ability. And that's that's just the principle in itself. Like, you know, there's people that have kind of a fantasy of themselves that, yes, I've been a tightwad my whole life, but as soon as I get the big numbers. And there's right. people that are, even millionaires don't consider themselves rich. And they're like, no, when I become a billionaire, that's when I'm going to become, I'm going to become a giver. And this thing really, who you are gets established with what's little. The extravagance, the generosity. Extra, yeah. And then the Lord... Um, even if I think your dad's lost two or three times, lost everything. And then uh, there is this whole thing, but he has this relationship with God and he's a generous man. And so the Lord has, has been able to do that. And I don't want to leave my mom out of that just briefly. Um, you know, obviously that was they're your birth a team. Mom. That was your birth mom that you yeah. mentioned. Yes. Passed and away many years ago. And so you've had. My dad remarried to my mom, my, my second mom. And both of my parents are a team in that, in that generosity. And yeah. they make those decisions together. And they made the decision together for my dad to start over again, once again. And, you know, my mom's been the biggest intercessor for our family, but also yeah. for that company and for, um, for my dad's role in that. So they're well, a team in it. And let me, as, as we're headed to a close, I want to look at a scripture. I think it's relevant for right now. And, but it will always be relevant, but I think there's something specifically right now. It's out of the book of Haggai, mm. and it's um, chapter 2 on the coming glory of God's house. For those of you uh, who understand that terminology, the, the word glory is this word that we don't have uh, great uh, matches in our present uh, vocabulary of society, what that equals, but the glory was presence, provision, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And, um, <clears throat> but it, it starts in verse five, what I want to uh, read. 
According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The reason I'm going to come back to that in a moment. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. Now, the only thing that really shakes all nations is economies. When economies get shaken, that's what shakes all nations. And they will come to the desire of the nations. So he calls himself the desire of the nations. That's why we want to learn to look at him the way he is and represent him, re-image him in a way where they can tell he is the desire. He's not the dread of all nations. He's the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And just interesting what he says right after that. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And this is just so packed with stuff. We just hit on a couple of few things right now. But I think one of the things the Lord wants to tell us even right now, that first five, five, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. I think even the timing of what we're experiencing right now is like there's been this breakout of, of revival and outpourings and we're having these films that are coming out, the Jesus revolution, come out in the name of Jesus and, and, and things that are fomenting uh, an atmosphere where we palpably feel he's here. You know, if you go back a year or two, you're like, where's God? <laughs> They're like, where is he? And so he's like, my spirit remains among you. You have the evidences. So we're, we're seeing he's with us. Do not fear. This is something he would be telling us right now while the markets, while everything, while the economic systems are in massive shaking. And if this is not the shaking that leads to the great change, it's coming. So that's just something to be aware of. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I will shake heaven and the earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they will come to the desire of the nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And then he's talking about glory, glory, glory. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. He's establishing the things that are actually of value in some way. We could go off and on a little tangent there as opposed to speculative um, economies. And, and so saying things that have, and by that I wasn't saying everybody should, should go buy silver and gold. Do it if the, if the Lord says it seems to be a more secure um, it value uh, proof. It, it's it's uh, you know it's going to retain more value than stuff that's just on paper or stuff that's just Not built on asset backed, yeah. right? Speculative cryptos or whatever, for instance. And and so this is this is part of our our storyline. But the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. And I believe that 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 latter glory. There's a reason why this. But like he just sticks. It's almost out of place. It's like. Why do you say the silver is mine, the gold is mine? When you're talking about glory and presence, hallelujah, praise right. God. And this is where the, you know, it's because the assignment, the kingdom assignment we do have is to, is the Isaiah 61, what I was talking about, is mm -hmm. to rebuild ruined cities, destroy. Literally. literally and, and um, you know, uh, devastated. There's like, we, we know about devastation in our own country, the United States, of what's taking place uh, around us. And this is considered, this is a place they all run to. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have countries, um, entire nations all around the world that live in devastation. And so 
Yes, we want to come and we want to bring presence and have so much presence. They're weeping. They're being delivered of demons and things. But we want to, I, I want, and I'm hoping this becomes more of your apostolic vision moving forward. If you're listening, we want to be able to go and say and watch and go to a, a, a poor area and have these type of meetings where blind eyes see, deaf ears uh, open and and demons run and there's peace and joy and all that but also say and also by the way while we're here we're funding you have no water system here we're, we're having the wells brought in the water system and you have no electricity we're changing that as well and the bridge that's not really working is a danger we're having that replaced that's the new apostolic christian moving forward and so right. we need that haggai 2 glory where it includes the presence, but it is also a resource in order to restore, because that's about that's right. restoring that which was lost. Now, final thing on that, Elizabeth, and you yep. can do a closing comment and prayer. Yep. But it was this is a this is from many years ago. I won't say the nation, but it was in Central America. There was a, a little church, and again, as as too too often, a little church that's in poverty. And so the pastor has to, had to tell his congregation that, um, you know, we're going to, they're going to take our building from us. We got, we've gotten behind in our payments. And so he called for a night of fasting and praying in the church. And so I don't know how long they went into the night because they'll go past midnight. They'll call them all night fasting and praying. But, and they, they read this scripture and declared and said, you said yours is the silver and yours is the gold. And we're in need, uh, speaking back to this, you know, what can be produced through trust. And as they're having, um, as they're praising the Lord, because that's what they, you know, they're praying and praising, but there's just a lot of worship and praise. Gold dust begins to fall inside the church. And it is so much that it's actually collectible. They sweep it up and it's, it's a pile and they're able, they actually take it to um, whatever, it's not a jewelry store, but wherever, and it gets validated as real, and it was enough, not just for them to pay their lease or their back pay on the months before, but they were able to buy their building. One night of worship, and the glory comes, but the glory brings presence, they're set free, but it brought this bigger solution. So it becomes... Uh, kind of just a, a great story to remember who he is, his capabilities that he literally can just out of nothing. He can rain. Right. He can rain gold dust. I think that was probably the message that was missed in the past years when people heard about it. It's like, if I can make gold show up out of nothing in little bits like that, I can do what I can do in micro, I can do in macro. Yeah. And, and so that becomes a great message for us. Anyway, so... That's yeah. so, Take us to a close. you know, that can sound crazy, but that's the Jesus that we know from the New Testament. That's the same Jesus that when you go to Israel and you go to Jerusalem and you look at all these ancient ruins and you see, you know, carvings or whatever from ancient manuscripts, they all talk about the miracles that Jesus did. It's, it's literally historic and he didn't stop. No, he didn't stop. He's the same God that, that still cares and still supplies extravagantly, generously. Um, you know, we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom, of this God who is love, and his love looks like something. 
And you said several times, you know, what we're restoring is the face, these faces of God, um, the knowledge of the glory of God. Haggai two fourteen tells us, no, Habakkuk two fourteen yeah, tells us that. that the the knowledge of the glory of God, the 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 understanding, the the access to the truth that God is good in all the ways that He's good will cover the earth completely. People will be able to correctly perceive if they have any desire to at all what God is really like and we get tastes of that already um, we've used this example many many times but even those of us that have known God for a very long time you get that good parking spot and you feel a little more loved and a little more seen by God right I mean it's wired into us to attribute our circumstances to God's heart and his intentions towards us and that's why um, we're talking about it's not just in 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 uh, some spiritual way we restore who God is to the earth we restore who God is to the earth and to people's hearts by restoring things that that directly affect people's perception of how God cares or doesn't care about them. And you know what? When you feel safe, when all, all the benefits and blessings of living in a, in a kingdom of God, they're practical, they're real. In, in a kingdom, you, wanna, you want your citizens to know the heart of the king by the way they experience the kingdom that he created them for them to live in. And right now, the enemy has created the storyline or the narrative of the environment that if there is a God, he created for us to live in. And right now, it doesn't look very close to God's true intentions for us to live in. And when we say us, we don't just mean Christians. We mean all of us, all of his sons and daughters. This is an evangelical assignment. You know, we still need evangelists that that seal the deal and that that call people oh, to that like moment of it'll win people over. Evangelistical yes. thing, yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. is that not evangelical? Well, evangelistic, I should yes. say. So we need people who are evangelists who seal the deal, who bring people into that understanding of Jesus as Savior. But every one of us ultimately are called to be evangelists by the way that we bring heaven to earth in the areas that we are passionate about, that we have any level of impact in. And, you know, that means we're all ambassadors of this kingdom of who God is as love. And what does his love look like in the mountain of economy? His love looks like riches. We use um, Revelation 5.12 as kind of our template for that. Revelation 5.12 is when John was up in heaven and he was having this encounter. And he hears um, all of heaven singing this new song. He traveled forward in time and the new song was, Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor, power, riches, is one of seven things. There are seven things that he sing that they sing yeah. that that our Father is worthy to receive. So again, the assignment is is like this giant circle of, you know, it's outward to the world, but it always comes back inward to us and upward to Him. And that that inward part is 
you know, yes, I am, my, my assignment is external. I'm being generous in a practical way to people around me, but ultimately I'm doing it just like Jesus said in the parable, when you've done it to the least of these, you've actually done it to me. So when we share the riches that he entrusts us with, with others, we're actually a part of that song that is being sung in heaven. Worthy is the lamb to receive riches. Yeah, it's good. And he's worthy that we would steward over that aspect of his character and nature that he's generous. We get to, as he is, so are we in the, in the mm -hmm. earth. And he is extravagant and generous. And, you know, so many times if we're going to talk, you know, if, if the church or church leaders are going to talk about finances, they just go back like, you know, a horse to the barn over and over and over again on tithes over and over and over again. We're not going to get into that right now, but I just wanted to tell you it's really important what you believe or don't believe related to your personal giving. And we did an entire um, up for discussion on this topic, and I can't remember what it's called. I'll put a link um, in the description of this of the episode yep. that you're watching right now so that it'll take you back to the previous episode where we do talk about tithing, giving, and what does the Bible say about it? Johnny does a great job of laying that out theologically to really empower you to um, make very intentional choices with your giving and where you give, how you give, how much you give. Um, I will close with this one thing. In the back of this book, um, which again is a part of the rise7.org, um, you'll find the where you can purchase the, what am I trying to say, the rise this book in a online video course. But in the back of the book, there is a chart and we just lay out this simple understanding of what is the lie. So here's the lie. The lie is the, the narrative that we are going to replace. The lie is it's pointless to trust God for your resources. And the, the implication in that is therefore, you can't trust God for your resources, then it's all on you. And yeah. you got to work hard, leverage everything, be smart, um, keep the right amount saved and put in the right funds and all of that. And all of that should be an overflow of how the Lord directs you and, yeah. and never play into your, um, your reflection of who God is and his generosity. And then the truth, obviously, is the opposite of that, which is God enjoys providing for us and through us. That is the narrative. If you have a business or um, you're an entrepreneur or you're stewarding a role in a company, you will know you are doing it God's better way if you can boil it down to, are you echoing this storyline by the way that you make the decisions you make? Do the decisions you make ultimately show that God enjoys providing for us and through us. Like he enjoys it. It's, yeah. it's, it's a part of who he is. And then what does that, what does that speak going all the way back to, okay, the knowledge of God filling the earth. What's the knowledge of God we were meant to know in an ideal world. If, if an economic system were done God's perfect way, if it looked like heaven on earth in our economy, it would assure everyone's heart that they are provided for. 
Now that does not take out of the equation the fact that God also is, is a God who created us to have the joy and fulfillment mm-hmm. of partnering with him and being yes being stewards partnering with him so it doesn't mean being irresponsible it doesn't mean not being wise and utilizing the tools that we have you know per generation with our our finances it doesn't mean not showing up and working it doesn't it doesn't mean you know we we get into extremes as christians well i'm just going to trust god for everything and i'm not going to work at all you know uh that's that would say very rare that God would have someone do that. I'm not saying he couldn't, but that is the assurance. And so if you, to the degree that you can't own that truth deep within your own heart and your your place of trust with the Father that you are provided for, that's what you want to go after. You want to allow the Holy Spirit to really speak into that place of your heart, minister to that place in your heart, Let him take you back to where did the lie come in for you personally? You know, maybe you grew up in poverty and or maybe you grew up with a lot of wealth and all that your parents taught you was you better work really hard to not lose this. Right. There's all kinds of subtle ways that that lie comes in about you and about God and your perspective of him. Go after the lie so that when you have any interaction with this area of culture, from your personal finances to the role that you have in the overall economic system, that it reflects who he is and how he is as our generous, extravagant provider. That's really good. You have a prayer in you? Um, I can, or you? What do you prefer? I don't know. I just, <laughs> you know, if you felt like the unction for it, I was going to go with that, but I'll pray. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for um, the day and the time that we live in, Lord. We thank you for the challenges, the breakthroughs, the opportunities, mm-hmm. um, the opportunities to be those who are um, part of this great transition into a demonstration of the age of the kingdom on earth. And we thank you that that transition requires um certain things falling apart and it requires us being ready to press into the new you are doing part of this extreme world makeover for all areas of society that you're doing and so lord we just thank you for um these that are listening these that are watching these are all your sons and daughters that you love and care for individually you know each one of their stories and what their challenges are what their blessings are what their promises are And Lord, we just pray that you would release peace to their heart at this time Mm -hmm. and that that peace would would be what coats their heart and their minds Mm -hmm. during this time, um, wherever they are, whatever this time, whether it's now or a year from now, this time there is always, uh, we always are faced with moments, kind of seems to be cycles where we're faced with these moments of, of financial testing. And we thank you, Lord, that you're teaching your sons and daughters how to be secured in who you are that the trust account that we want to build above everything else, the most high trust account is where we can turn to you. As David would say over and over, blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. He will not be ashamed in a difficult time. And that story is, is said there, Lord, not just to throw around beautiful religious words, but there is something about putting our trust. And that's where we tell you, we trust you. 
You are our source. You are our provider. You are our king. And, um, and we can joyfully and peacefully serve you with that knowledge. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we just bless you for, and we thank you for um, all you're doing across all the earth, Lord. We just thank you for the release of the angels that are taking place. And we thank you for this time of transition. And um, it is our, in our heart to see you blessed in sons and seeing sons and daughters who respond to you and understand um, deeper nuances of, of how you want your name, your reputation, your glory spread throughout all the earth. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Keep putting your trust in him. And if you'll do us a favor, it helps um, us get the videos, these videos out to more people. If you subscribe, if you like and follow, whatever, all the options are, just click them. Appreciate it so, it so much. We yeah. do appreciate Blessings. Blessings.